Well, good afternoon. One of my favorite characters in all of the Bible is named Joshua. You ever heard of Joshua? Anybody heard of Joshua in the room from the Bible? Yeah, his story is found in the Hebrew Bible, what we know as the Old Testament, and it is a story filled with amazing battles and big miracles, one that captured my imagination when I read it from the, for the first time back when I was in middle school. I just remember going, wow, the story is incredible. Joshua was a mighty warrior. He was a great leader, and he was also the successor of an even far, far more famous person named Moses. Y'all have heard of Moses, the one who led the tribes of Israel out of slavery from the land of Egypt, part of the Red Sea and all that. Uh, Moses was a legend. He is still a legend to this day. And though Joshua would never become as famous or as revered as Moses was, nevertheless, he took up his mantle and he led the tribes of Israel into the promised land uh, where Israel still occupies it to this day. The land Israel still occupies to this day. And so that's the story of Joshua. And I vividly, I remember reading this story for the first time and then getting to the end of it, I ran into a line that has haunted me still to this day. It's haunted me ever since. It is a one-sentence summary of Joshua's life, like a one-sentence life description that is perhaps, in my opinion, one of the greatest epitaphs ever written about someone in recorded history. It's something that was said of Joshua that honestly, we all hope, might one day be said of us, and it's these words right here. This was the line that I ran into, that Joshua left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. Moses, his name is in there symbolically as a reminder that the mission God gave to Moses was passed on to Joshua, but the line could have just read this way right here. It could have been, been Joshua left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded him. Or just to say it the way I say it around our house from time to time, because it's this verse, in fact, that is engraved on Sarah's and my wedding bands, that Joshua left nothing undone. Joshua left nothing undone. Of all that God created him to do, nothing undone. Of all that was most important, nothing undone. Of all the legacy that he could have left behind for those who came after him, nothing undone. Of all the potential that was in him for good and for glory and for significance and for excellence, nothing undone. He wasn't one of those souls that was plagued with regret or with shoulda, woulda, coulda scenarios. No, 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 no. The, the end of his life and the end of his potential, they met on the very same day. Everybody in the house say, nothing undone. (laughs) Nothing undone. And the question of today is simply this. What if one day people said that about you? What if one day you could say that about you? Like, what if you could say at the end of this year or the end of this decade Or maybe even at the end of your lifetime, what if you could say, I left nothing undone? Like of all that I was supposed to do, all that I could have done, all that I should have done, or if you're a Christian, of all that God created me to do and called me to do and all of his dreams for me, I left none of it undone. I left none of it on the table. I left none of it on the to-do list, on the maybe next year list. No, 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 the the end of my life and the end of my potential and my calling and God's dreams and his will for me, they met on the exact same day. They met on the exact same day, nothing undone. What if that was you? What if you lived a nothing undone kind of life? And 
like, I believe that you can. I believe that I can. In fact, more than that, I believe that we have to. And that's what I want to talk about today. That's what today's sermon is about. But before we get started into that, a quick story about me. I started working for our family of churches about um, 13 years ago. My name's Jamie, by the way. I'm the pastor of East Cobb Church. And I've started working around our churches about 13 or 14 years ago when I moved back to Atlanta and I started doing student ministry at Buckhead Church Inside Out. And I did that for a, a very long time. And though I really loved student ministry, I had this dream. I didn't know if it was ever going to happen, but I had this dream that maybe, just maybe, I one day might be, could be like a pastor of a church. That was my dream. But the one thing that everybody told me, I mean, my parents, my brother, uh, my boss, my friends, and even Andy Stanley himself, the one thing that, that everyone told me that I had to do was, hey, Jamie, you've got to go to grad school. You got to go to grad school or in the Christian world, we call it seminary. And, and it was necessary for me to go um, both as a qualification on my resume, but also for like the training that it would give me in order to do whatever it is that I wanted to do or God wanted me to do in life. And, and so, so that's Years of my life, that's what I, what I felt. My dreams were calling me to go to grad school. But as a Christian, it was more than that. I actually believed that God was calling me to go to grad school. Like, I believe this was God's will for my life. And I mean, I knew it. It was a conviction of mine. Like, God wants me to do this. And so there I was, this, this, this 20-something kid, and my dreams are calling me to go to grad school, and God is calling me to go to grad school. And nothing was more clear in my life than that. So clearly I went, Right? <laughs> nah, because <laughs> there's just one problem with grad school. Some of you can testify to this. The one problem or a couple of problems with grad school is um, that grad school is really expensive. Uh, the one I wanted to go to is really far away, and it takes a lot of time, okay? A whole lot of time. And so as a, a, you know, a young single guy living in Atlanta, I thought like, oh, no, I'm not going to do it right now. I'll do it. Later, yeah, I'll do it later. But then, of course, later I met a girl and fell in love and got married, and we bought like our first little house and a mortgage. And I'm like, well, I can't go now. I just got married. I mean, I gotta like do the married life thing. I'll go later. But then, of course, later I got a promotion in my job. Like, oh my gosh, I got this big promotion. I can't go to grad school now. I gotta hustle. I gotta hustle. I gotta be like in it to win it. All eyes on the new job that I have. I can't do it now. I'll go later. But then, of course, later I had my first kid, and I was like, holy cow! You know, my time and financial margin just went, yeek, you know, down to here. And I'm like, oh man, I can't go to grad school now? Are you kidding me? And I'll just go later, except later I had a second kid and on and on and on until five years pass. Something vital to my career and central to my calling, like what I believe to be God's will for my life, sat undone for five straight years. And unfortunately, that's a pattern that has repeated itself often over the course of my life. Intentions that never became reality, dreams that were never chased, resolutions that just got added to the pile from last year, you know? And the problem is, it wasn't just with the little things, you know? Like, I don't know, making my bed or flossing or writing more thank you notes, you know? The problem was that it inevitably worked its way into the big things of my life. Things like, my relationships, or my character, or my health, or my finances, or my, or my career, and even into things like my relationship with God and his leading on my life, including five years of him nudging me, 
go to grad school, go to grad school, go to grad school. So that's me. But if I may, I wonder, what about you? I wonder if you have a similar story. What have you been leaving undone? What are you currently leaving undone in your life right now? What are you hitting snooze on? Like if we were to take just 2022, just last year alone, and start categorizing all of your hopes, dreams, and priorities, and, 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 or God's hopes, dreams, and priorities for you, and, and started categorizing, yes, yeah, sure, some of them would go into the done category, right? And way to go, that's awesome, what an amazing feeling. But I wonder which ones we'd have to put in the undone category of all of your hopes, dreams, and priorities, and all of God's hopes, dreams, and priorities for you. And you know, because you're carrying them with you right now. In fact, if you're anything like me, I brought this as a little illustration. If you're anything like me, you got a whole bag of them, right? If you're anything like me, man, you got, a, you got one of these. You got a whole bag of things that you've left undone through the years as time has passed. Some of them new <laughs> and some of them old. Some of them way old. And the question that I just want to ask you today is, hey, if this is your undone bag, what, what's in here for you? What's in here for you? Like, as we're turning, turning the corner into 2023, um, what are you still carrying around with you from 2022? Or from 2018? Or from 2010? Or how far back should we go? What are you leaving undone? Because you know, you already know. If you got a spouse, they for sure know. <laughs> Your mama, she probably knows too. Because we're all carrying around a, an undone, things left undone bag with us from year to year to year. And maybe it grows, maybe it stays the same, but we're all carrying one of these. And I want to talk about it today because yeah, for some of us, maybe for some of us, the things in here are small. But for most of us, nuh-uh. For most of us, man, we've got some things in here that are big, things in here that are important, right? Yeah, most of you in the, in the room today, most of you watching online, you're just like me. And that right now, you are carrying around something that were you to do it, it would change your career in a significant way. Or it would change your health in a significant way. Or it would change your marriage or your parenting in a significant way. Or it would change your finances in a significant way. Something that were you to do it, it would make you a better version of yourself. Or it would bring you great joy and a sense of accomplishment. Or it would be a, bring a great blessing to those that loved and depended on you. I mean, hey, for some, for some of you, your financial freedom is in there right now. Or your greatest potential talent is still in there right now. Or, or, you know, the next 10 years of your good health is in there right now. For some of you, the, the long-term survivability of your marriage is in here right now. For, this is true for somebody in the room, maybe for many of us in the room. For some of you, the most significant thing you'll ever do with your life is still in here right now. Waiting. And that's, that's most of us. For most of us, those are some of the things, the kind of things that we have in here, like stuff that matters, you know? 
And by the way, for those of us that are Christians, here's why I think this is an even bigger deal. It's because for many of us who are Jesus followers, we're carrying around God's will for our lives in here from year to year, just like me. I mean, like, think about it. The same God who said, you are my workmanship, whom I've created in Christ Jesus for good works that I have already prepared for you. The same God who wants to build your life and order your steps and number your days and tend to your soul together with you as your heavenly father. The same God that says, I want to do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine. And yet so many of us are just like me in many seasons of my life and that every day you walk around lugging a whole bag of things you left undone of all that he's asked of you or all that he's invited you into or all that he's prepared for you. And the crazy thing is is this. I don't even have to mention it, do I? Because you already know. I already know. Like you're probably already thinking about that relationship you know he wants you to reconcile or that habit that he wants you to break or that dream he wants you to have the faith to pursue or that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control that he wants you to finally acquire. I think I mixed them up there for a second. You're already thinking about that potential he wants you to like fully realize or that, that, uh, that influence that he wants you to wield for him. Because it's, it's in there right now. You carry it with you. And here's the deal. If we're not careful, we might leave it there the rest of our lives. And I want to talk about this today because I believe that God's will for Joshua is the same as his will for you. Everybody say, nothing undone. Yeah. I believe God wants us to start emptying this out in 2023, if you haven't already. And by the way, if you're like, uh, I don't really care that much about God's will, well, that's okay, because here's what I know is true. Whether or not this is God's will for your life, I know that this is your will for your life, right? I bet you're just like me and that you are so sick of this bag. You are so sick of carrying around this bag. Every time you look at it, you're like, mm. And you would love right here, right now to start dumping some things out of this, out of the left undone bag. And here's the good news. I believe that you can. You can. I believe that you can. I believe that we can. And that's what this series is about. This series in in the next two weeks, we are going to learn from Joshua two practices that lead to the undone life. We're going to learn two powerful Practices that lead to a nothing undone life. And and the great thing about these two practices is they are practices that everyone, I mean, no matter who you are or where you're from or how many times you've been in church or even where you are in your faith, they're practices that every one of us can do and start doing right here, right now. So with that, I want to jump in to the story of Joshua and bring it alive a little bit. Bring practice number one alive a little bit. Here's where we're going to pick up. Um, with Joshua. And and this is the beginning of Joshua. The book It's called Joshua. And it begins just like this. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, uh, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses is aid. Moses, my servant is dead. Okay. And again, you remember Moses, Moses, the guy with the burning bush, um, the, the guy that led the Israelites out of Egypt, you know, the plagues, the, the, the hero that parted the Red Sea, the legend that got the 10 commandments. I mean, that's Moses big time. Joshua is his successor. And when Moses died, 
God came to Joshua and he said, all right, now it's your turn. And the mission I gave to Moses, I'm going to give now to you. So now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan river into the land that I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place. Look at this. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. And by the way, as I promised Abraham all the way back in the day, God has been up to this promise for a really long time. And he says to Joshua, in other words, or to summarize, Hey, Joshua, what Moses started, you're going to finish. So go across the Jordan, go take the land and go make a new home for your people. And that's exactly what Joshua sets out to do. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites, they set out from, um, they um, set out from, uh, <laughs> y'all wonder how I'm going to pronounce this, aren't you? Um, this word is pronounced shatim, okay? So uh, y'all just make, you put, make sure you put the emphasis on the second syllable, okay? Um, you'll maybe get that in a second. Uh, so they set out from this unfortunate town name, Shatim, and uh, they went. Here's the whole centerpiece of the first part of this story. It's the focal points right here. They went to the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. And so um, if, you're, if you want to get a feel for where they are geographically, you're like, hey, where are we in the world right now? Um, I got a little handy dandy map here. So this is Israel uh, over here, and you can see the little bigger map there. But they have been coming up from Egypt this way, okay? Um, Around here, most scholars believe that there was some kind of trajectory coming up here, and, and now they have come to the west bank of the Jordan River, somewhere around here near Jericho, um, and they are on the edge of the promised land, what we know as modern day Israel. And so this is where the whole thing goes down, and much of Joshua's epic narrative goes down, right here on the west bank of the Jordan River near the city of Jericho. And it's, and it's here that Joshua gives a little speech. And uh, he gathers the people and he says this little speech and we, and it kind of evolves. We learn more about it in later chapters. It's a little bigger than is recorded here. But uh, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. Hey, everybody get ready. Make yourself fully available to God because he's about to move in a big way. And then Joshua turns to the priests and he says this, Hey, take up the Ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and they went ahead of them. So they're going to cross the Jordan, but they're going to proceed in a, in a specific fashion. The priests are going to go ahead of the people carrying this thing we call the Ark, or they call the Ark of the Covenant. If you're not familiar with that, it was their national treasure. It was a box that contained the Ten Commandments, Aaron's miraculous staff, and some manna from back in the day. You can go read the story of Moses, and you'll, you'll learn about all that. Uh, but not only was that in the box, but this Ark, it was where the presence of the Lord dwelled among them. Here's why that's important. The same presence that led them and fed them and protected them from their enemies. So this was everything to them. And Joshua says, hey, priest, I want you to take the ark and you go ahead of the people. And, uh, and that's exactly what they do. They head out and all the people, I mean, a couple million of them are following at a distance and all around, like all eyes on the ark, all eyes waiting to see what is it that God's actually going to do here. And it's here in the story that the author gives us one rather important and rather demoralizing detail. He says this, now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. And unfortunately, it was the harvest. The snow melt off Mount Hermon had come down into the valley and the Jordan River turns into this, bam, I mean, big, strong current of a river. And I imagine, I mean, just like you would, I imagine the first time they saw it and realized, oh no, 
I mean, it was just this gut punch. They're just like, oh no, this is horrible. Like worst case scenario. Because this meant two things. One, we're not crossing the Jordan anytime soon. And number two, we're for sure not going to send the ark in there. I mean, we're not going to risk the people, but we are definitely not going to risk our most prized possession, like the centerpiece of God's presence among us. And that right there, that right there is where I think so many of us find ourselves in our lives. That we find ourselves uh, propelled by God's will, but paralyzed by life's waters. Have you ever had a time in your life where you can identify with this, that we find ourselves propelled by God's will, but paralyzed by God's waters? Because that's where Joshua was. Joshua is standing in the middle of the situation with a really big problem. Over there was the promised land that he was supposed to take. But right here was a river that he was going to have to cross. You know what I'm saying? Like there was a river between him and his calling. There was a river between him and his destiny. There was a river between him and his potential and his greatness. There was a river between him and who God had created him to be, what God had called him to do. There was an impassable river between Joshua and God's will for his life. And I think a lot of us oftentimes in life find ourselves in the exact same position. We find ourselves propelled by God's will, but paralyzed by life's waters. We're propelled by intentions and dreams and goals and visions and our calling. But we're paralyzed by circumstances and obstacles and difficulties and fears and doubts and sacrifices and inconveniences. We're propelled by God's will, but paralyzed by life's waters. And my friends, that is the land of the undone life right there. This is the hallmark of an undone kind of life. There's God's will, but oh no, there's life's waters. That's where it happens, right there. And by the way, this land has a theme song. I don't know if you knew that. You don't know what the theme song of the land of the undone life is? It's, uh, it's this song right here. Y'all know this song? Anybody know who this is? Who is it? John Mayer. Oh, it's a jam. Sing it with me. Waiting on the world to change. Keep on waiting. Waiting on the We got a chorus over here. One day our generation is going to rule the population. So we keep on waiting. Waiting on the world to change. Yeah, that's the theme song of this land. And I love John Mayer, by the way. And look, I love that song. I'm not hating on that song at all. It's on one of my playlists. It's on like the back porch playlist, in fact. Um, But that song is a dangerous song to sing in life because it is the theme song of that. It's the theme song of everything left undone in my life and in your life. And many of us know it all too well because that's exactly what we're doing. We're waiting on the world to change, right? We're waiting on our circumstances to change. We're waiting on our obstacles to go away. We're waiting for the right time to come. We're waiting for the right money to come. We're waiting for an easier path to come. We're waiting for the stars to align and a way to be made forward. We're waiting on the world to change. 
But of course, as Christians, as, as a lot of times, we have our own unique version of that because we're not just waiting on the world to change. We're waiting on God to change our world, right? That's the song we're singing, like, God, I'm waiting on you to change my circumstances. You know, like, God, I'm waiting on you to change and remove my obstacles. God, I'm waiting on you to bring the right time in. I'm waiting on you to clear the path. I'm waiting on you to bring the money. I'm on waiting on you to get this thing going. It's God's will, but life's Waters and too many of us have spent too many weeks, months, years, isn't this right, sitting by the river waiting on the world to change. Many scholars think, man, that's exactly what Joshua was doing, or at least what he was initially expecting to happen. Because, you know, the last time they ran into a body of water and had a problem with it, God just kind of like, you know, <laughs> Red Sea. <clears throat> um, And many scholars think, well, that was Joshua's expectations. Like, okay, God, well, do your thing. We'll wait. And it's here that God would teach him a lesson that would change the rest of his life. God, in essence, leans over to Joshua and says, hey, waiting on the world to change? That's not how this is going to work. That's not what's about to go down right now. Here's what you're going to (laughs) do. This is what God says. I love this. This is where the story gets so interesting to me. Hey, Joshua, here's your game plan. You're going to tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant when you reach the edge of the Jordan waters, go stand in the river. <laughs> and Joshua's like, oh, excuse me? Did you, just, did you just say priests? Like with the Ark? Stand in the river? I can't go any higher. At flood stage? Joshua's like, you're playing. There's no way you mean that, Lord. Come on, didn't you mean like we're going to walk up to the edge of it and then you're going to like make a way? No. Okay, didn't you mean like we're going to get up to it and like maybe we'll just like lean, you know, and, and then you'll like make a way? No. Oh, come on. Okay, clearly you mean we're just going to walk up and we'll like, we'll like dink, dip a toe in this current that's racing by the bank and then you'll like make the situation happen and God's like, no, I want you to go stand in the middle of it. I want you to like step down off the bank and go stand in the middle of the river. Josh was like, what? I don't want you to wait by the river. I want you to step into it. I don't want you to wait by the river, Joshua. I want you to go step into it and then watch me make a way. And he gives Joshua a little sneak peek on what he's gonna do, but I'm not gonna ruin it. I'm just gonna read it. But uh, Joshua gets this from God. He prepares the people. He prepares the priests. He prepares the leaders. And this is where it all goes down. And this is my favorite part of the story. This is one of the things that captured my imagination as like a seventh grader. And then still to this day, uh, here's, what, here's what happens. It says, now the Jordan is at flood stage. We already read that part. All during harvest. And yet, and yet, as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, because it wasn't just a, like stepping. You had to full sin, step into this raging current as full as they committed, bam, all in. The water from upstream stopped flowing. I love that. Keep going. And it piled up a heap. This is kind of curious. A great distance away at a town called Adam. I hope they had flood insurance. Uh, in the vicinity of Zarathon. Like this happened in a real place, in a real time. People saw it. There were witnesses all around the region. That's why it's recorded in history. And while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. Keep going. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Estimated over 2 million of them. They crossed over opposite Jericho. And the priests... The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, they stopped 
in the middle of the Jordan and they, catch this, they stood on dry ground. They stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Wow. That gets me every time. God didn't just part the waters. He dried ground. Why? To show us how completely and fully he can make a way through even the wildest river with just one step of faith. He wanted it to be clear, the whole nation of Israel and to Joshua and to anybody else who would ever read about this event, how he can completely and fully make a way through even the wildest river with just one, just one step of faith. And that's lesson number one from Joshua for us today. Uh, It's a principle that we can't escape. One that's true of life and one that's true of God's activity in your life. One that will make your life, but also one that has the power to break your life and mine. One that after you hear it, you mean one you hope your kids will live by. And one perhaps that we all intend to live by. But it's one that is very, very easy to forget. It's one that's very, very easy to rationalize away. And it's this right here. Oftentimes, the reason that we leave things undone in our lives, things that God is calling us to, things that your heart and your conscience are calling you to, things that those who love you and need you and depend on you are calling you to, the reason we so often get to the end of a year or the end of a decade or maybe even end of our lives and have a substantial one of these is because of this, because we're asking God to part waters before we're even willing to step into them. We're asking God to part waters before we're even willing to step in to them. Back to my story. Jamie, go to grad school. Jamie, go to grad school. Yeah, okay, God, I will, I will, I will, I will. When there's time, I will when I'm not so busy and work calms down. I will when the kids are older. I will when I got a little bit more money. I will, I will, I will. I mean, y'all, how many years have I spent and how many of years have you spent asking God to part waters that you weren't even willing to step into? And my friends, Joshua learned what many of us need to learn and others of us need to remember. And that is this. If you want to see God part the river, then you need to stop waiting and you need to start stepping. If you want to see God part the river, then you need to stop waiting and you need to start stepping because that's how it works. And perhaps the reason, perhaps the reason that so many of us have a growing or expanding or a full one of these is because we've been waiting on God to part waters before we're even willing. No, back to the other one. To step into them. And maybe we just need to learn that from Joshua. Today, right here, right now. And listen, I know maybe somebody in the room, I'm sure some, several of you in the room might be thinking like, okay, that's cool, bro. But uh, I don't believe in God. So this doesn't sound like it's for me. And no, it absolutely is for you. Let me just rephrase it. Let me just put it away, put it another way. You know what I hope you'll get out of the story? You know what I hope you'll get out of uh, this narrative? Uh, is, is this right here. I hope you'll get out of it that um, the reason oftentimes that we leave things undone in our lives, like our hopes, our dreams, and our priorities, is this, that we're waiting on life to clear a path that our feet are supposed to forge. That's another way of saying it. We're waiting on life to clear a path that our feet are supposed to forge. This reminds me of my scoutmaster. I was a Boy Scout, an Eagle Scout, and uh, go Boy Scouts. And um, this guy was like the real outdoorsy type, you know? And 
we'd be, I remember this particular like hiking one time in the smoke, the hiking trip one time in the Smoky Mountains. And uh, we were on the trail and all of a sudden I realized like we're no longer on the trail. We're going through the brush, you know, when branches are like, and you're like, what's going on? And I was like, hey, why aren't we on the trail? And he said, because there isn't one. I said, so why are we going through the brush? And he said, well, how do you think trails are made? And this was his point. That if we're not careful, we will spend crucial seasons of our life. We will spend crucial seasons of our lives waiting on life to clear a path that our feet were supposed to forge. And we'll just be sitting there waiting on the world to change. And the fire or the urgency that this story is supposed to hopefully awaken in you is the thought of what might happen. What might happen if you just cast that aside and took one courageous step? What might God do? What, who knows? What might God do if you just decided to come to your senses? Remember who's with you. Remember where he's calling you to go and you decided to take one courageous step in the direction that he is leading you. What might happen? What might God do? And I think Joshua would answer, you have no idea what God might do. You have no idea. Oh, you have no idea. That's what I think he'd say. So what are we waiting on? What are we waiting on? Let's go. Let's learn from Joshua. Let's join Joshua. Let's follow Joshua and taking a courageous step in the direction of the undone things in our life. Life is too short. Your opportunities are too great. Your potential is too inspiring. Your loved ones are too precious. And God's plan for you is too epically awesome to sit by the river waiting on the world to change. God's got so much more for you than that. God's got so much more for you than that. Let's decide right here, right now to take one courageous step in the direction of the undone things in life, the things that God's calling us to, that our hearts are calling us to, that our loved ones are calling us to. Let's do it. And man, here's why I'm especially excited to be preaching this like right now in January. I'm excited to be preaching this in January. I intentionally wanted to preach about this in this particular time slide, slot because here's honestly, this is just what I want. If you want me, hey, what do you want out of this sermon? This is what I want out of this sermon. I want this year so bad, mm, so bad, I want this year to be marked by and defined by courageous steps of faith in the direction of God's calling on my life. Not only that, I want this year to be defined by and marked by courageous steps of faith in the direction of God's calling on your life or life's calling on your life. I want that for you, for your family, for those you love. And man, I want that for us as a church. Hey, East Cobb Church, I hope. Oh man, I'm praying so hard. I don't want so badly that this year would be a year marked by and defined by courageous steps of faith in the direction of who he's calling us to be and where he's calling us to go and how he's calling us to love where we live. Man, I want us turning the corner in 23, 2023, just going like full sin, you know, all in, like into the river, into the direction of where God is calling us because I think he's up to something huge this year in us and I want us to be a people who aren't waiting. We're stepping every time he decides to move. So that's what I want. That's my like goal here. I want that for all of us. Why? Because the best things in life and the biggest things of God, they happen on the other side of a courageous step of faith. That's a principle you'll never escape. That's just true. 
The best things in life and the biggest things of God almost always happen on the other side of a courageous step of faith. A courageous step of faith. And that's certainly, that's certainly what I found. So to go back to my story, um, eventually I did apply to grad school. Now granted, it took an intervention. I think my dad had to sit me down and be like, Jamie, you gotta go to grad school, do it, you know? You ever done that with your kids? Just like, you do it. And I was like, okay, 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 fine. Fine, fine, God, I'll go to grad school. And so I just applied. I applied to Dallas Theological Seminary. Uh, and um, waters hadn't parted yet. I mean, I was still, you know, busy, still poor, and still a long way from Dallas, okay? So, you know, not looking good. But I was like, okay. And I just started the application process. I was like, there you go. And it turns out that Dallas has a campus here in Atlanta at North Point Community Church that had way more classes than I thought it did. Man, I knew it was there, but I had no idea I had that many classes at it. It's where I live. Turns out our church was willing to financially support me as I went through seminary. Are you kidding? Oh my goodness. Turns out I'd had two friends that had already gone through seminary while working for our church and they were able to help me plan and see a workload and a pace that actually did fit with my family and with my job. Huh? And turns out six years later, yeah, six years later in 2021, I graduated with a master's of Christian leadership. Yeah. Y'all don't need to pull too hard. There's people with doctorates in the room. So like, you know, they're like judging me right now. Just, but thank you. I appreciate it. Um, they're like, oh, you, cute. Uh, I'll get there maybe one day. But here's my favorite part. That's not even my favorite part. Here's my favorite part. Turns out, get this, turns out that two years prior in 2019, Andy Stanley was looking for somebody who might be interested in planning a church in East Cobb. And wouldn't you know it, one of the primary qualifications was that this person had graduated or was on the way to graduating from grad school. And now I get to do this. I mean, thank you, but now I get to do this. Are you kidding me? This is my dream job. Now I get to do this. God knew that this is where he was leading me the whole time. I didn't know that. But I just needed to trust him enough to take a courageous step of faith in his direction. And he made a way forward. Oh, man, I'm just so glad. And listen, am I saying that like every time you, you take a courageous step of faith, that God's going to do like a river parting miracle? Well, no, there's not a miracle like that in even my story. All I'm saying is this right here, that the best things in life and the biggest things of God, they almost always happen on the other side of a courageous step. Of faith. You almost always happen on the other side of a courageous step of faith. And we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it. And we're going to miss out. We just sit by the river waiting on the world to change. We're going to miss out. So, practice number one of Joshua. This is it. Practice number one of Joshua. You want to live a nothing undone life? Then stop waiting and start stepping. That's it. If I could say it succinctly, you want to live an undone life? Stop waiting and start stepping right here, 
right now. Stop waiting and let's start stepping. Every single month, every single quarter, every single year of your life. You want to live an undone life? Then every month, quarter, or year of your life, I challenge you, pull out this bag and decide to courageously step in the direction of God's call and your call and those who love and need you's call on your life. Make this a life habit to stop waiting and start stepping in the direction of the things that God, you, and the ones who love you are calling you to. And do it even if, even if, even if the waters in front of you are not yet parted. You be among the few who just decide to stop waiting and start stepping and see what God does. Come on. Thank you, Tan. So that's practice number one. Stop waiting, start stepping. You want to live an undone life? Doesn't happen by accident. Too many of us have spent too long sitting by the river, waiting on the world to change. What do you say? What do you say? We just start right now. Stepping in the direction of God's will on our lives. So that's my question. What about you? As we close, what about you? What's something in here that needs to come out? What's something you've been leaving undone? Why not right here, right now, decide to stop waiting and start stepping? Why not? Why not? What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Who knows what might happen? And that's exactly what I want to challenge you to do. This is my challenge for you today. I want you to pick the biggest thing in here. Uh Uh-oh, yeah. I want you to pick the biggest thing in here right now, like the one that most nags your conscience on a year in and a year out or quarter in and quarter out basis. The one that would most change your life if for once you actually went and did it. I want you to pick that one. And this month, yes, February, by the time February is over, I want you to take one courageous step in its direction, in the direction that God is calling you. That's what I want you to do. Identify one area and take one step. And listen, I know that might be daunting. I know that might take some time to process. You might want to pray about it. You might want to talk to a mentor about it. Uh, And so I want to help get you started. I want to help get you started. So like, as you're thinking about it, your assignment, I want to help get you started. As a warm-up exercise, I want to go ahead and give you one step that you can take right here today. Because there's already an area of your life that I already know that God wants each one of us to take a step in, and that is in our faith. That's right here at East Cobb Church, in your relationship with him. So as a warm-up exercise, as a warm-up exercise, uh, I have, I'm launching today what I've been calling the uh, Take a Step campaign. The Take a Step campaign. And I want every one of you to take one step in your faith right here, right now, today. Warm-up exercise. Uh, Why? Because I think God's got more for you than you even know. And I think if you take a step in his direction, it's only gonna help you. It's only gonna prepare you. It's only gonna help you to see clearly and have the courage to take a step in another area of your life, probably one that's even more daunting. And so I got a menu of four things for you today. For easy, I mean like bite-sized, anybody can do them steps. And I would like every single one of us to pick one and do it right here today. Uh, and so I'm, I'm going to read through them. I got a um, little card here with some notes. I want to make sure I say it right. But here's the four steps. And as I'm doing, reading them, I'm going to read them quickly. You can go find out more about each one of these. And I would love for you to pick one and go do it. Now, number one, some of you, the best step that you could take for your faith is, to, is this right here, is to connect by joining a community group. John already mentioned we launched them today. We have all stages of life, a bunch of nights of the week. Um, and it's a way to give your faith 
some friends. It's one of the best things we do. And maybe you need to jump online, go find a group. Or if you don't find one that fits you, go make your own. We will help you. You can don't click the button that says, hey, I didn't find my group. We will make it happen for you. Uh, the initial commitment's three months. And maybe right here, right now, today, you need to go online and you need to get in a group. Others of you, though, the best step you could take for your faith is actually to learn. Like John said, we are starting a brand new environment called Starting Point, our first couple Starting Point groups ever. And I am so thrilled. Uh, if you didn't catch it the first time, Starting Point is a learning environment. It's an eight-week learning environment where you have an opportunity to survey the foundations of our faith, the Christian faith, and, and, and explore some of the biggest questions people ask about God. It's incredible, incredible, incredible. So if you're considering and exploring faith, if you're back in church after a long time of being out, or hey, if you're just a Christian that goes to church and it's been a minute since you like popped the hood and explored the foundations or asked some really good questions, this is for you. I think everybody should be in starting point. Number three, uh, perhaps the best step for you is to serve on one of our teams. We have two new, very exciting ways to serve. Like one of the most powerful things you can do with your faith is put it into practice. And we have two brand new ways to do it, even with a really packed schedule, even with a travel schedule, which I know keeps some of you from doing it. These two new ways you can find out about on the card. But they're love where you live teams that are going to serve out in the community, doing incredible community service work like once a month, and then children's ministry sub teams who are going to invest in the next generation. And that's like being on call as your schedule allows to fill holes because our student ministry, I mean, sorry, our children's ministry is growing and we need more volunteers. And maybe you have space on your calendar to be an on-call sub. And if you aren't serving currently at East Cobb Church, this is the step for you. I'd love for you to get on one of these teams and see what God does. And then finally, if, the, if it's not one of those, maybe the best next step for some of you is to give to someone in need, to give to someone in need. And over the next four months, I'm going to highlight a, a tangible, immediate, specific need and just invite you to give to it. Not hundreds of dollars. That's not the point here. Like 10, 20, 30, whatever. Small dollar amounts to very specific needs because that's the power of our community. If every one of us gave $10 to the need I'm about to highlight, it would cover them for quite a while. And the one I'm highlighting today is Kids to Leaders. They work with kids of incarcerated families and they need some help um, getting kids, paying for their transportation to meet with their mentors. How awesome is that? And if everybody gave $10 today, we would get them down their way in a, in a big wheel. That's how we do these things. You give to us, we just give 100% of it away to them. Maybe that's the step for you. And you can find all of those on the card you're gonna get on the way out the door. Here it is. And I wanna challenge every single one of us to pick one and do it today or sign up for it today or soon in the next 24 hours. Why? Because I want you to see what God has on the other side. The best things in life and the biggest things of God, they happen on the other side of a courageous step of faith. So what do you say? Let's be nothing undone kind of people. Let's be among the few that get to say that, hey, I left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded to me. And it all starts right here, right here with one courageous step. Go take a step, practice number one. And you'll have to come back next week for practice number two. Let me pray for us and we'll get out of here. God, thanks for this. Give us courage to take a step. Just give us courage to take a step. Give us wisdom to know what step we should take and courage to take it that we may see what you have on the other side. In Jesus' name, amen.